Good morning, gentlemen. You listen to the Geared Up Podcast. Today is a Tuesday, which means we get an interview. Today's interview is with Mr. C.L. Whiteside. Uh, you're going to learn a little bit about him in just a few minutes. Before we do that, make sure that you are following this podcast on social media. Our strongest presence is on Instagram, but we also have a Facebook account and a Facebook community called the Gird Up Community on Facebook. It's a great place for men to interact with each other. Second, if you have any interest in supporting this podcast financially, you can do that either on our Patreon account. Information about that is at the end of the podcast in the outro. Or you can choose to sponsor episodes like this one. Uh, what that means is you write a check to the Gird Up Podcast, and then we will talk about your company or your group or your organization or whatever it might be um, in a short uh, short like advertisement before um, before the podcast actually begins, you're going to hear Pastor Steinberg talking about his podcast in just a second. It'd be that type of a that type of a setup. Um, or third, if you can't give money to the podcast, by all means, feel free to get in touch and ask if there's any other way you can help. Um, shout out to Paul Young who has been working on our website and getting that thing together. Go visit it. It's not finished yet, but go visit it. See the cool things that he's doing. Um, thank you, sir, for helping us out. Um, you're doing an awesome job, and I appreciate it so much. Uh, thank you also to the um, Ironman of God Conference, uh, who has chosen to to support us as well and, and and contribute a little bit. So thank you so much, guys, for the for the love and support that you're sending in our direction. Um, we're all guys who are headed towards the same heavenly goal um, and serve the same God and same master. So um, the more we can work together to achieve our purposes as, as men of God is a good thing. So let's uh, hear from our sponsor and get into the podcast today. Here we go. Today's podcast is sponsored by the Christ for Disciples podcast. I'm Pastor Paul Steinberg, son of a Ken and father of five sons. Each weekday on the Christ for Disciples podcast, I apply God's word to raising the next generation. Take 10 minutes each weekday to listen to the Christ for Disciples podcast and get direction and gospel power to disciple the youngest generation. Subscribe to the Christ for Disciples podcast by going to ChristForDisciples.com or searching on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, and whatever else. ChristForDisciples.com. You are listening to the Gird Up Podcast. To gird up is an ancient way of preparing oneself for hard work or a battle ahead. Our work is to reclaim masculinity in the modern world and to live out our calling as men of God. Here you will find a community of believers working hard to become the men that God created us to be. Now it's time to roll up your sleeves and let's get to work. All right, our guest today is Mr. C.L. Whiteside. What's up, man? What's up? How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Good. What does CL stand for? I can't give you the real answer. I'll give what I give most people, and that's it's champion like life. or something, isn't champion it? Champion life. I don't think you'll be able to guess it. <laughs> All right. All right. Champion life. Yep. You get you to get it. that. You get like Ryan Artest that. Change yeah. it. Get yep. it changed. All right. So tell us a little bit about yourself. So um, born and raised in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Grew up on around 12th and Capitol. Went to grade school at the... Garden Homes Lutheran, that's kind of where I got my foundation. A lot of different opportunities with sports and activities from forensics to handbell choir. Then went to Wisconsin Lutheran for high school, did a bunch of sports, got involved in different things there. Then college is UW-Stevens Point. All right. Then I started teaching, did some student teaching at Rufus King Humboldt High School. And then I got my first gig at Atonement Lutheran, and now I'm at Wisconsin Lutheran High School. 
What's it like to student teach up at King? Is it a good experience or was that? Yeah, it was, it was a very good experience. I mean, King is a different NPS school from the standpoint of they pick and they select right, the right. students they want. So they're picking the best kids out of the, the entire city of Milwaukee. So it's not the typical NPS school. And <laughs> right. I know that because my dad taught at Madison High School. And that's a, a whole nother <laughs> beast where you got students in the hallway, the tone or the bell is going off and students are walking around and he was teaching special ed. So it might oh, be geez, yeah. Yeah, a whole nother beast. So King was a good experience though. <laughs> All right. Sweet. Mm-hmm. So what, uh, why the pointers? Why, why Stevens point? Well, it was football. And then looking at it from the standpoint of if I stopped playing football, what school would I like the best? And then when we had a, a, a great recruiter or person in admission advancement named Scott West, who was really about bringing diversity and, and trying to find good black students or good, good minority students to come to the school. So it was just a good fit from that standpoint. So I chose Stephen Point, Stevens Point. <laughs> yeah, that's almost exactly the, uh, the rationale I had too. Like, if I can't play football anymore, what do I want to do? Mm-hmm. Or like, what will my parents be happy with? <laughs> yeah. So I ended up at MLC. It's like, I can play football. And uh, nobody's going to be like, why is he going there? Yeah. Everybody knows why he's going there. So sweet. So you talk about, uh, so, well, first let's talk about your book that you just had come out. So you had a book come out. Yep. Go ahead what and talk about, about it. <laughs> Tell me about it. What's it called? So What's it called, about? Where did called it come from? Hashtag Champ Talk. And the idea kind of came from Twitter with a lot of different things with hashtags being one of the new things you mm-hmm. see on Instagram or Twitter or any type of social media outlet. And it, it comes from the standpoint of loving quotes and understanding that different quotes can mean different things to different people. But it can resonate and it can be something that you can quickly draw upon and be like, oh, yeah, I, I remember this experience. So it's something that I, I thought about kind of dealing with some of my roommates and just being in college. Like, all right, I like some of the stuff that I'm tweeting. Some people have given me some feedback. So then I decided, like, I'm a, all right, I'm going to go ahead and write this book. And each quote or each chapter is probably two, three pages long. And it's based off of some quote that I've come up with, original quote. Yeah, and that's one of the things I liked about the book the most, I think, is that they are, like, they're all attributed to you. Hmm. Uh, there's a lot of books that, like, I think just about every book in the world has a quote somewhere in it you know, where they're quoting somebody else. And yep. there's a lot of people that decide they're going to write their own book, you know. Yeah. And that's really all it is, is just paraphrasing and quoting other people's knowledge and wisdom. And it drives me nuts. I hate that. Yeah. But yours did not do that at all. Like, it was you. all original thoughts. Um, so like, where is this just like a collection of stuff that you like thought about and wrote down or tweeted at some point? Or Yeah, I think a lot of it came from tweets that I've done before. And then I think especially during the writing process, I tried to make sure that I really wasn't reading anything else. And if I was reading something, I wanted to be more so. It had to be something that I heard in the Bible or in a sermon or that I experienced it personally or something that I was observing from a student or a friend or an athlete. So that's where I tried to get that from because I didn't want to be persuaded because, I mean, we're all persuaded in some way, but I I wanted it to be my original, authentic thoughts. Yeah, that makes sense. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So if you could... uh Man, so like if you if you could pick your favorite quote out of there, what would it be? Like if there's one that was just like, if I had to narrow this down to one, what would it be? That's a tough one. I think I would go with the, the first one, and I guess it kind of ties in with the show and what this is about. Uh, boys push down the trash, but men take out the garbage. That probably was the first one that I can remember that I finished the selection and the writing process with that one. And I like that one from the standpoint of there's a difference between being a boy and a man. And in our society, you can get drawn into different things and get pulled in different directions. And there's a different way that a man's going to ha- handle something versus a boy. A boy, most of the time, is just going to go with the easiest way, 
do something that's quick. A man is more so going, going to see a problem and handle that problem versus pushing it off or pushing it to someone else. They see it and they handle it. Yeah. And that's something that's learned. Like that's not innate in us, right? Yeah. Like that's not something we're born with. Uh, so you talked in, in, I think even in that chapter right there, you talked about your dad quite a bit yep. um, and how your dad was influential in you. And you even talked about, you know, that's not part of my story is a struggle with no male figures uh-huh. in my life or whatever. It was just the opposite. So, yeah, it was. Yeah. You want to talk about your dad a little bit? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, just not only my dad, but he definitely was a, a major influence, but I definitely had so many mentors from coaches and teachers. But I mean, I guess what I what I saw from my dad was someone who understood how to work. Mm. I mean, at times my brother and I, we make fun of him for how much <laughs> he talks and how much he might be on people. And then yeah. we like, did we get that from him sometimes? How <laughs> he can be a, a pit bull with going and, and talking to people and checking up on things and maybe be a, even a little nagging. So that's something yeah. that we just constantly saw. We saw his worth ethic and then more so his ability to to not allow a circumstance to make or break him. Because his situation was a lot different than us. He didn't grow up with his father. It was just his mother, and he was the oldest of four or five kids. So he kind of had to be the man of the house pretty early. So that was something that we didn't have to struggle and deal with. He allowed us to be a kid. But I remember even when we were kids, some of the stuff that he would have us do from the standpoint. I remember we had a lawn business, and we went in the hood, and we went into projects, and we were cutting grass. That's something that, you know, our mom probably didn't like, no, don't take my babies and do that. <laughs> or he'll tell stories about us climbing and going down the stairs and that's not something a woman necessarily like that's not safe but he was just like they fall they fall they're gonna be all right right so that's just something that we learned you know you gotta you gotta go after it yeah yeah you said he's a teacher too yep he was a teacher special education that's a it takes a special guy to yeah. teach special education he was dealing with ebd and ld so you could be all type of mfers and all type of profanity and just dealing with that and, and seeing that. So it's a different level of patience. And then some days you're like, man, you, you're going a little crazy right now. Yeah, so. absolutely. Cool. So um, like within that theme then of, of manhood being being imitated, what uh, um, what do you look for in your mentors? Like, So you say you're, t- you're looking at these, these coaches and mentors and different people along the route. What makes a good mentor? Man, I think that's a it's a wide variety. I don't I don't because I don't try to look at someone and say, man, I want to be exactly like them. When I look at mentors or the mentors that I have, I see certain things that I can emulate or actually fits my personality and my strengths. So mentors can be, I mean, they've been coaches, they've been teachers, they've been people that I've had uh, relationships since a child. I remember like one of my mentors growing up, his name was Mr. Moore, and he, we would go to, to card shops and basketball cards, football cards, Pokemon cards. And it's just different things that I could take from them and learn yeah. and just some of the, the words of wisdom that they gave gave to me. Oh, yeah. Well, and then like everybody has a different strength too. Yep. So like there, if there is no perfect man, then there is nobody we really ought to emulate wholly. Right. Yep. So, um, like picking and choosing what, what they do well and then speaking to that a little bit mm-hmm. too. And like understanding relationships and also the duality then of, of all, having multiple different relationships with different people to, yeah, to kind of lean on them. Yeah. Sweet. Why, why, why write a book? I think, Part of it is I don't necessarily want to go back to school to get a master's <laughs> or anything. And I do like the, the self-education and the self-learning. And I need to keep pushing myself and getting out of my, my comfort zone or expanding that comfort zone. And a book kind of fit along those lines of, all right, you need to do something. And I think if I die today, I still have a book out. I still have some type of lasting impression or some type of legacy for people to understand. Like, what was he about? What was he saying? So I think that was one of the, the major 
reasons on why I decided to write a book. Yeah. And I thought it could resonate with, with certain people or enough people at least. Yeah, um, absolutely. Well, and it's a form that like it, it goes, right? Like once it gets out there, you don't know where it's going to go yep. after that. You know, like whether it's, you know, back to half price books and somebody else picks it up or uh-huh. whatever it might be, right? It just goes and goes and goes. Cool. Yeah. Like, how do you, uh, is it something you just like picked up a computer and started typing or do you have like a mentor in that kind of a facet too? No, do you have somebody actually, working with you? I think I, when I first started, it was just, I need to get it down. I need to get it down and I need to just write. And then I started, you know, going on Google Drive and making different folders and start about different categories about how I wanted to break the book up. Talk to a couple of different people, people who were saying, all right, I'll pay me this much and, and I'll tell you what to do with this book. So I did have an editor. Actually, I had a few people edit the book. I even had one of my former students edit it, which was <laughs> which is very cool because he's, awesome. he's a genius already. Mason LaMarche. So and then I actually had another person edit it. Kind of, I had to pay and went through the process right, yeah. and then figured it out from there. Well, I'm sure that pays for itself pretty quickly, yep, too. Definitely. Yeah. Right. Oh. yeah. Well, I think it fits with the theme of the book, too, I think. You know, make, just making it work, making it happen. Yeah. Like you have a vision of what you want to happen and you, you go do it. Mm-hmm. And that's a theme that kept coming back in the quotes, too, I think, is the idea of struggle. Um, like if it's going to be worth it, there's going to be some sort of fight to get it. Yes. Right. Uh, so well, you talked about your seeing your dad, you know, like keep the wolves away, right? Just like fighting and fighting and fighting to keep, to give you guys a better life. Um, what, like, obviously you you don't, you're looking to do something similar, right? Um, but you don't come from the same kind of background that he did because of him. So what are you looking forward to like in the future? Like what's your vision for, for your legacy here? I guess it would say, I would say trying to build as many relationships and connections as I can with different students and just different people in general. People don't really care what you know unless they know that you care about them. So, I mean, to me, life is all about relationships and connections. Mm -hmm. So just building those different relationships and connections. And, I mean, I know I can learn from people and then hopefully they can learn something from me or take something. Or sometimes just having a conversation or talking with someone, you learn things about yourself or certain things start to come up like, all right, this is something that I'm dealing with as well. So more so just trying to, I guess, in a way, be a mentor and then also be a continuous learner. Yeah, and when your book hits that in two different directions too, like you've got people that do know you and and are reading the book and are learning from you and you know building that, but then you're also like you're mentoring mentors then as well on the other side, which is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah. So when you're when you're working with kids, like uh, what what's your what's your goal with kids? Are you trying to get them like? Do you have a picture in your mind of what you want those kids? Because you work with high school students, so yes. Uh, do you have a picture of what like where you're trying to get them? Um, each student is, is different and unique. I guess the big thing is just trying to find some type of common ground with them and let them know if I'm not the person that you can talk to or that you can go to, there's someone out here. And sometimes a lot of students I see think that they can do things by themselves. And it's like you can't, no one has gotten anywhere in their life by themselves. Mm-hmm. Even Jesus took help. Right. And right. that's just something. Or you have students who only want help. And it's trying to get them to understand, all right, you got to do some things on your own and you got to push through it. And it's got to be a little bit of grind. It's got to be a little struggle. And that's okay. And getting them to understand that failure is just part of the process. And at the same time, success is a scary thing, too, because I know I've had to be humble because at times I felt I was invincible or you get a little arrogant with that. So my big thing with students is just trying to build some relationship and connection and then seeing, all right, where do you want to go from here and allowing them to dictate where that relationship goes where that connection goes and how do they necessarily want to use me yeah 
Well, and and the reality is, like, if you spent your entire life getting beat down, right? Like, the success is an unknown. <laughs> it's yeah. terrifying. It's, it's, it's like it's opening a door to something you don't know. And there's there are times where our kids just don't want to go through that door, yep. which is bizarre to think about, but it's it's true. Mm-hmm. It's true. So how do you go about building those relationships with kids? I mean, it can be as simple as, hey, did you see the game yesterday? To noticing something that they're wearing, to I know some of the music that they listen to. They might ask me about songs. I mean, just the fact that I probably smile a lot, that makes me approachable. <laughs> and, and being a little younger, that, that helps out too. So it's pretty much anything that I can possibly use it. It's not really a struggle. It's something that just kind of naturally happens where I can yeah. find some type of connection or some common ground with them. When a student just like like stonewalls you, like flusters you, you can't get to them. Like, what, what's your? Uh, do you have like a game plan as far as like how to get to them? I probably make fun of the fact that they have that stonewall, stonewall or that look. All right. And kind of leave them alone, and then go touch base with them another time. Like, hey, what's up? Are you okay? Is everything all right? Or hey, do you need a hug? <laughs> that's that's something I usually get students yeah. at least crack a smile or be like, leave me alone. <laughs> Don't touch me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's one of my favorite. That's the, with middle school students especially. Like the more they hate on you, the more the but the more you know they love you. Yeah, yeah. The more the more the more shade they're throwing at you, mm-hmm. the more <laughs> then you know there's something there. Because otherwise they'd ignore you. Yeah. If they if they acknowledge you, there's something there. And that's just amazing too of how much students actually are watching and looking at what you do. Mm-hmm. I mean, sometimes students will comment on something that I put on social media, a picture. Hey, did you go here or did this happen in your life? So I kind of do the same thing with them of just asking like, hey, how was your weekend? And, and it's amazing how some of them just like tell you everything. Yeah. So, how transparent are you with them? Like how much do they know about what's going on in a daily life? I think my, my athletes know a lot. It just depends on the, the questions that they ask. I tell most people, if you ask the right questions, I'll tell you anything yeah. for the most part. So I can keep it pretty real with them. And I can be very transparent with them. Like, hey, this is what I'm doing or this is what I'm not doing. And I think that kind of helps me out as a man, too, because if I can't tell them, then I probably shouldn't be doing it. Yeah, that's true. So that, that kind of helps me as a, as a, and acts as a curb. Yeah. yeah. I had a kid after school today who was like, Mr. You, I heard you drink beer. I was like, <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. And he looked at me funny. I was like, I'm legal you, age. You got a problem with it? Yeah. You <laughs> yeah. shouldn't drink beer, but I can drink beer. <laughs> exactly. He's like, does your dad drink beer? Well, Yeah. So why is it weird that I drink beer? <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, good stuff, man. So um, coming into uh, coming in, watching your dad as a teacher, like so, I my dad was a pastor. I remember watching him all the way through as a kid. Like from by the time I actually realized what was going on, like I understood his job. I think from the day I finally understood it, I was like, nope, <laughs> not for me. Yeah. Um. So why why did you become a teacher? Well, honestly, it probably came from the fact that I knew I wanted to coach. Okay. And I knew that coaching and teaching went hand in hand. So I looked at it from the standpoint of if you want to be a head coach one day, most likely you need to be in the building and you need to be a teacher. And then I thought about it. If I didn't get paid, what would I want to do? And I thought, well, teaching does not seem to be that bad. The The relationships you can have, the amount of laughs you can have. I mean, every job has its good and its bad, but that seemed to weigh outweigh the, the bad for sure. Yeah. Has that rung true? Yeah, most definitely. I mean, the kids that I work with are awesome. Some days I just tell them like, man, y'all made my day all right today. Today was a good day just because of the the conversation that they brought or the energy that they brought or the joy that they brought. 
the the good days definitely outweigh the bad days and it's 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 definitely rewarding in that aspect yeah how when you have like uh when you have bad days is it more like on your end or is there more on the like the kids are just like knuckleheads well i mean kids are going to be knuckleheads so sometimes <laughs> right. it's actually like it's comical like man i cannot believe he did that the bad days might be or i mean i really don't even have bad days because i don't you take it home and you breathe and it's over because you only can control so much. Yeah. So it's not a lot of bad days. Sometimes it might be a little much is when you get the parents and the student, the student made a really bad decision and then you have to explain it to the parent and the parent might not be totally on board. But I mean, that's, that's very, very rare. Most Mm -hmm. of the time they know their kids and they understand like, all right, this is what they had to do. So those tough decisions you get used to making because you got to do what's best and you got to do it the right way. Right. Well, and when you're like when you're planted firmly in, in who you are and what you believe, particularly for us, when you're planted in scripture and like and you know what's right and wrong, it makes all those decisions way less stressful. Yeah, it definitely. You just does. look at it and say, like, hey, this is this is the truth. Like this is the word of life. This is how we roll. And if you're not gonna like it just is what it is. Like yep. if you're not gonna you knew what you were getting into when you came to us, this is this is the way it is. Yeah. 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 Well and then like and understanding that too and saying like I have a firm grasp on what I believe and because this is what I believe this is what I expect of you and being yeah. able to communicate that how much do you interact with parents I think I usually I mean and probably once a day some a parent is calling about something it might be uh why did a student get a detention to they need help on their math can you help them find a tutor so I mean the parent interactions everything isn't heavy but it, there's usually mm-hmm. a parent interaction each and every day. Yeah. Is that like a joyous job or is that a drag? Uh, most of the parents are good, but sometimes it can be a little drag. And it's like, dude, have your kid handle this. You cannot do everything for your kid. Your kid is 15, 16, 17 years old now. You got to let them let them figure this out a little bit. And then sometimes it's actually a legit reason. Some yeah. parents I don't mind, but some parents it's kind of like, man, let me run out of the room quick. <laughs> Just slip out the back door. Yeah. 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 Let me you get away like a, like a cowbell or something so they know yeah. when you're coming. Yep. You put, when people put bells on their cats, you know, uh-huh. there are a couple of parents I wish I wish I could like put a, put an ankle bracelet on them with bells. Yeah. <laughs> so get out of the way. <laughs> anyway, I probably shouldn't have said that, but <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Everybody knows it's real. <laughs> Um, so like when you got kids coming in, what are some markers of kids? So, well, let's start with the negatives at first. Like if, what do you see in kids where you just like look at them and you're like, yeah, this is going to be a problem. Like are there markers of kids? Like you see them and you know, this is going to be a struggle or this is like, they're going to face some failure. Like, are there any characteristics you see that just, you mean like, as far as make it in in school well, or school or life, you know, like there's there any, cause you work with, with yeah. big, large numbers of kids, um, who are in, like, not all of them are in make it or break it situations. Right. But like to be able to see their long-term success. Are there any markers that you're like, no, that's a red flag. Yeah. I think the biggest thing is when they don't take ownership and they are quick to blame or they are quick to make excuses and it's never their fault. It's either the teacher's fault or one of their peers fault. That's a, a big time red flag. And they are kind of arrogant. Like, Oh, I'm going to be doing this and I'm going to do this. And it's like, why do you think you're going to do that? This doesn't happen just because you talk about it. Like, what are you doing? What are you doing to prepare to be this person that you're talking about? I think that's a, a big red flag. And then another red flag is kind of those students who I know they portray something that they're not on social media. Mm. And they have to be this big, bad, tough mm. person. And they hide behind the screen. And they're all of a sudden, they're tough and they're 
talking completely different than if you saw them and you had a conversation. Um, another one is if they can't keep friends <laughs> and you just look at it and you say, why, what's the problem? Well, they don't like me. Why don't they like you? I don't know. And it's like, you don't even know this is a, this is a miscommunication. This is, this is something that can easily be fixed, but sometimes people want to be isolated and they kind of want to be by themselves. Mm-hmm. So that can be kind of a red flag as well. Yeah. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so like when you see those kids that are like playing it big online, is it something they're doing intentionally? Like, do they realize they're doing it, or is it like some of them have been brainwashed to think that's how you handle situations and how you uh, do things? So they think that someone said something about me or someone was sneak this to me, so I need to go and respond. And I'm just like, how do you even know that person was talking about you? I just know. sneak this. Like, I'm like, oh no! Did they at you? Did they did they put your name in this? Your screen name? No, I just know. I'm like, that's that's not a good reason. So just trying to get them to understand that most bad things aren't necessarily about you. Like I tell them all the time, like I, when I walk into a store and I see someone looking at me, I can have a choice to be like, man, they probably think I'm really good looking or handsome. <laughs> or I can think to myself, that person thinks I'm on steal. I said, you need more to, to make these assumptions that you're making. And you can definitely put a positive spin on it if you want. Yeah, absolutely. Well, sometimes just asking those simple questions like, hey, is this going to make it better? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is this, like, is this, so you want things to change, right? Like you don't like it the way it is. You're complaining about it. Is this going to make it better or is this not, like it's going to make it worse? Yeah, that's definitely And right. like actually thinking through what this decision is going to do. Yeah. Yeah. And getting just putting it back on them. Like you control the situation. Yep. Control like, what you can control. The other person can't control what you're thinking, what you're saying, like what you do unless you let them. Like you can yep. let them in and you can say, you know, do whatever you want with me, pull the <laughs> strings. Right. Or you can just sit back and be like, you don't have any control over me. And they're probably going to stop messing with you after that. Like yep. they're not going to mess with you anymore. Cause it's no fun. Like that's how there, I saw a statistic a couple of, a couple of months ago. It was saying that like most bullying programs that, that in schools don't start until October because they have no issues with bullying. Like most schools with big bullying problems, don't have a single issue with bullying through like August and September yeah. because the, the bullies are just like picking their marks, right? They're like s- literally scouting the territory. And this is from kindergarten on, mm-hmm. like they're scouting out and figuring out which kids are isolated, which kids are the weak ones, you know, which kids are protected, which ones you know, don't have any friends. And then they start like picking, right? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. It's nuts. But then like when you, like when you, like they're that's what they're looking for is kids that are always like pointing the finger and, and isolated and saying like I don't have any friends like that's just like right there you're gonna yeah. you're you know not to get into the asking for it or whatever but like you're you're like waving your arms and saying hey I'm the one over here like come mess with me yeah I definitely had a student like that where he was in the weight room and he's flexing and he's <laughs> acting all macho and saying he can do a, a fifty to a hundred push-ups and I'm just like you asking for it right now. So one day in class, he goes to do his push-ups, and after 20 seconds of doing push-ups, he stops, and some of the kids start making fun of him. And I had to stop the class and like, hey, this is not bullying. This is him talking a lot of trash, <laughs> exactly. and now one of his boys is calling exactly. him out for this. This is, not, this is not that serious. He is not getting bullied. This is, yep. you pushed it to the limit. So well, if you don't want to have that happen, then don't, don't talk trash. There's a big difference. Like, kids and people in general like, don't realize that you don't have to talk if you do it. Like yeah. you don't have to talk about it. So if you like, if you, if you want to lift all the, like, if you want to talk about how strong you are, 
go put the weight on the on the bar and move it around. Yep. <laughs> like then you, would know you don't about have that. to talk. There's gonna be a lot. then like because if you're talking about it, everybody's gonna be talking about. Oh, he talks about it, and then at best you're cocky, right? But if you just go do it, and everybody's watching you do it, and you just like look around a room and you know somebody say something, all of a sudden they're talking about you and talking about how strong you are. Mm-hmm. Like you're not, they're not talking about how you talk about how much how strong you, you are. You know about that life, don't you? <laughs> no, I, see, that's the thing is I'm stronger than the average man, but I'm not like when I'm around strong men, yeah. I am nothing. It is levels to it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Like when I go down to Animal House and lift, like I'm just like well, I'm short. Which is like I'm not short, but I will go over there. I'm short, fat, and ugly, right? <laughs> Compared to everybody else in, in the room. Um, but like that's also where I make my most gains too, for yeah. sure. Because like during January when you know whisk goes out half the time and WLC's on break and I just can't get in there. Like go over to Animal House. And I think <laughs> January every year, because I go over there for a month in January, every year that's what like I just throw on strength like mm-hmm. crazy. Just put on muscle mass, I get thinner. And as soon as I start working out somewhere else, like I'm doing the exact same workouts, yeah. and I just start, you know, getting fat again and whatever, because mm-hmm. there's no motivation. Yeah. Because when you're the strongest guy in a room, like when you're the, when you're the like a massive fish in a little tiny pond, there's no threat. Like there's nobody to keep pushing you. Yeah. That that's a struggle for me, man. Like that's one of the reasons I don't work out at Wisco very often. Yeah. Is either like I'm actually I would rather be in a room alone than a room surrounded by people that are like weaker than me physically <laughs> because like because then i then i start getting cocky i'm like man like i better go check out that mirror pretty quick you know it's just yeah. like and then i start thinking all that when i'm the smallest guy in the room or when everybody else is lifting more weight than me or looks better than me then i like have something to drive after and like i can focus <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it's a struggle so you what do you do like what if well this is a big sideways turn here but what do you do for your workouts I switch it up. It kind of just depends on what I feel like doing that day. I do some cardio. Like today I did cardio, TRX bands, some push-ups and abs and got out of there. Some days I do like a hit workout. Some days I do some legs. Some days I do upper body and focus on that with weights. Some days I don't touch a weight at all. Some days I go in the gym and just try to do a bunch of drills. That terrifies Some days me. I do plyos. <laughs> so it's... It's like a combination of what do I feel like doing today? What is my body telling me? A day in the gym without touching a weight just sounds terrifying. Like that, that would be so. so Got your pull ups and your chin ups <laughs> at least. That's true. That's true. What I'm saying is that, like that would be super challenging. Like that would yeah. be, I'd be sweating. Like because if we're not doing that, then it's gonna be like calisthenics or or some sort of some sort of cardio, of some right. kind. That's yeah. If I'm not sweating, <laughs> I don't really feel like it was a good workout. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I'm in the same way, same way, but I also spend like. 45 minutes warming up. So, because otherwise I hurt myself. Otherwise I hurt myself. Because you can't throw that much weight on without like actually yeah, that's true. warming up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That so, do you work out alone mostly? Yep. Usually. I Would mean, Would you rather have a partner or do you just like working out alone? Man. I like working out alone because I can just go whenever. Like sometimes people like, I want to work out with you. And I'm just like, I don't know when I feel like working out because <laughs> I might just randomly go on a Saturday or Sunday and I don't have time to be waiting around. Or sometimes after school, like today I had to just sit down for 15 minutes. Like I need to decompress. And then I just went in there. So I, the last time I worked out and had a great workout partner probably was college. So yeah, well, teammates always make good workout partners because mm-hmm. you got the same goals in mind. Like you have, you're, you're at least running the same path. Yeah. Yeah. Teammates always make the best workouts. Yeah. Um, yeah, I see. I, I struggle with that too. Like, I think, like, 
I like the idea of having a weight workout partner, like a, like a lifting buddy. But a, I talk too much. Like <laughs> it, I, I don't. When I don't lift with anybody, I barely talk at all. Like I, I, I just go in there and I get mm-hmm. get after it. Um, then when I have like when I have somebody that's gonna push me and like drive me a little bit, whether or not they can actually lift with me. Like if they're gonna get after me at least yeah. and, and get me moving, then I'll then I'll lift with them. But I I like kind of shun guys that like hey because there are a fair number of people that are like I want to work out with you. It's like, do you really? Yeah. <laughs> do you really? You want to talk or you want to work out? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Or like when we get in there, are you gonna start just like doing your own thing because like well I can't lift what you lift. It's like well why do you want to work out with me? <laughs> yeah. You know like well you go too hard. Yeah, those always cracked me up. <laughs> He worked at quit and my roomie over there worked out with me once, one time. He's not gonna like that I'm talking trash about him, but he worked out with me one time. I would have loved to see that. He was saying he went like two weeks, he couldn't move his arms and he had to direct the next day and he was like directing like this. <laughs> he couldn't move his arms. That's right, he didn't listen to the podcast, the so we'll never know. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Aaron Jensen, you better not tell him I was talking about him on a podcast. <laughs> oh yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so like uh what are your do you have like goals set out for you or just like staying in shape? Yeah, just staying in shape. Want to look good in the mirror. In the mirror, I always had this dream of possibly being an underwear model. But there you go. Still just, got time. Just want to look good. Just want to look good. Still got time. I hear it's easy to be an over fifty underwear model. Oh, really? Yeah. You just gotta get a little salt and pepper in there. And yeah. That's what I hear. Like a second career. <laughs> when you get tired of working with kids. Well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just stay fit and stay healthy, though. I would never be an underwear model. I got. I think. I don't. Oh man. I could be like a plus size underwear model. Do they have that for men? <laughs> I haven't seen those. That was yeah. like the XXX super yeah. hairy plus size underwear model. I'm sure that there's got to be some. We're getting into weird territory here. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if you couldn't teach, like if teaching ended tomorrow, what would you do? Does coaching count? Okay. Well, if you, <laughs> but it's hard to coach full time. Like it's hard to find a gig where yeah. you can just coach full time. I was I would almost say something like a trainer because I do enjoy the health field and the the fitness world. That's probably the first thing that comes to mind. Other than that, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, you so, thought about that? I have thought about that. I thought well, like I I like to think I'd be like a like I'd go buy a fish or go work on a fishing boat in Alaska or something like that. But I think that would only last for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, because like I, I am I am a little bit of an introvert. Like I like I like being like I don't mind being alone. But I think if I went out there and like actually got out to the middle of nowhere, I'd be great for about six months and I'd get stir crazy. I'd be like I need some people around. Yeah. <laughs> I just need some people around. So I don't know if I ever like handle like if, if my call got cut or something like that i could work at i could like work in the lumber yard at menards or something uh-huh. and i i don't know see that's the thing is like i minister like it doesn't it almost doesn't even matter what the ministry is like if i get to work with people and work with kids like that, that that's it yeah right and so like I, i've been involved in marching band and like that's not one of my great passions in life but like get to work with kids i get to be super intense while i do it yeah you know and everybody's like when you're just super intense in, in normal daily life, people look at you like you're nuts. But when there's like an objective ahead of you, like I'm going to make you a better marcher. Like we're going to teach you how to tackle. Yeah. You can be as intense as you want. And it's like, well, we're trying to make you better. Like we're trying to, trying to keep you from getting hurt on a football field. Yep. Like it, it's excusable, which is a little bit sad that you have to be able to excuse it. But I don't know. Mm. I don't know. You, you, like you're a pretty intense guy. 
I pick and choose. Right. Well, in your moments, right? Yeah. So, like, when you're coaching or when. Yeah. yeah. So, so, sometimes I got to be the good guy. Sometimes I get to be the, the bad guy. <laughs> bad guy is more fun sometimes. Yeah, sometimes it is. Sometimes. But, I, I like, I can't fake my bad guy stuff. Like, sometimes they might do something that's ridiculously stupid, and I just got to laugh. Like, man. <laughs> yeah. Now you still got to go run, though, but that yeah. was pretty dumb. But yeah. go ahead and do a couple suicides. Yeah. But. My I, I my students will laugh sometimes. It's like I'll be laying into a kid, and then somebody walk into the room like, "Hey," and go right back to lay. It's just like yep. that, uh, like because sometimes that's just what they need, right? Not always, mm-hmm. not always. Yeah, man, I don't know what I would do. I don't know what I would do. I get bored real fast. <laughs> I get bored real fast. I don't know. I'd get into trouble probably too. Yeah, yeah. I wouldn't have to walk the line quite like I do. I don't know, man. I would love to coach full time. I think that's the that's the that's the working man's dream, right? Mm-hmm. So just coach full time. I don't know, man. Yeah, hey, I would love to just coach football. Sit up and do practice plans. Get yeah. the weightlifting already. Yep. Man, nah, that would be that would be the like to have a life where you only got to put a only got to put dress pants on on Sunday. That'd be a pretty great life. Yeah. yeah. Just showing up in sweats. <laughs> that would be sweet. I've gotten used to the dressing up world now, though. Yeah, I well, like, like I, I mean, I like it to an extent, but there's some days where you just like, just, just, just don't want to wear chinos, you know? Yeah. Like you just want to, just want to relax. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. You like the dressing up part though. Yep. I, do. I mean, I do too. I would, I would admit that. You wear bow ties and stuff, right? Yeah, bow tie I've Tuesday. I've bow ties. Yeah, that's a Every Tuesday, Tuesday? Thing. Every Tuesday? Pretty much every Tuesday. Where'd that I come forgot. from? Is that just you like I alliteration? Know. I don't know. We're just digging bow ties. Where I, I don't know if I got that from Hoff, the other assistant principal. Man, Hoff. <laughs> yeah, Hoff's the man. Yep. He'll come with the the pink pants, the red pants, yellow. He's yeah. He'll do it. He'll, He'll do, do it. whatever. Yeah. I Fashionista. my favorite my favorite thing about Hoff is watching that uh, watching that part creep up his head, mm-hmm. and as it gets higher and higher, and then all of a sudden one week it'll just go back down, yep. and it'll start creeping back up again. Yeah. Yeah. Man, that guy, that guy's an intense guy too. Yep. In his moments at least. He's just a great guy to be around. He is. Yeah. His Good kids are incredibly talented. Yeah. Yeah. I'd say I would say working with Hoff, he didn't even like work with me directly, but just being around him, I gleaned more from that guy than maybe anybody else. Maybe mm-hmm. Spruer a little bit more. But I also worked with him a lot more directly than anybody yeah. else. Yeah, he's a great guy to be around. What is his role at, at Wisco? He's the assistant principal. Assistant principal. And you're also an assistant yeah, principal. Yeah, so right? he does, or he handles usually sophomores and seniors. I have freshmen and juniors. And then there's a bunch of things we just end up tag teaming or this happened or we got to be a counselor. One of us is just taking her. Some, sometimes if it's big, both of us will. Yeah, sweet. So do you guys, like, move up through the through the ranks with the kids or do you alternate every year? We just stay with that group. Okay. So, um, like, when they're freshmen, you have them until they're seniors? Yep. All right. So you I got think a that's how it works. I think that's how it works. <laughs> yeah. We'll find out next year, yep. right? Find out next year. So how like you're those this is this oh well, this is your first year as an assistant principal, right? Yep. Okay, so we'll see how those but I bet those relationships just build mm-hmm. like crazy. Do you still teach? Yeah, I still teach two PE classes. All right. So that's a good switch up and change of pace cuz I get to know a different group of students in a different way. Do you have kids that just won't do anything? No, actually I don't. Okay. I think that sophomore that sophomore year is the the year where they still are young enough where they don't care, they don't mind getting sweaty, they don't mind getting after it. 
So most of the time, I don't have to say anything to them about moving and being physically active. And we do so much switching up in our our curriculum has changed for PE that it's it's pretty hard not to want to move for some of the things we do because we like we play with this huge Omnican ball, which is probably your size, <laughs> and it's just a huge ball, and they kind of have no choice but to hit it and to get get active and get to playing. So yeah. the curriculum has probably changed from what most people thought or think of PE. It's not like sitting around throwing one dodgeball <laughs> at 50 kids. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Oh, that's fun too. Yeah. Teacher versus students dodgeball, line up against the wall. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that's a good way to take out your. Uh, I shouldn't be saying this over the internet either. <laughs> but yeah, you're right. PE has changed a ton. I think it's going in the right direction too. Just like, I mean, it's not so much about. Do you guys like take test their fitness or anything? We do a little bit, but it's more so for them to see where they're at. Right. And compare it to like, all right, this is what the the state or the standards say you should be at. Mm-hmm. And then more so looking at the progress they can make over their time with this. Well, and if the goal is to to turn the accountability back to them, right? Like it's your responsibility to stay healthy. It's mm-hmm. your job to be fit. So like if we're doing that, then like force them to do push ups every day or whatever not like twenty push ups, they should be doing that, but you know, like force them to do some of the crazy stuff that you hear about in gym class is not helping them get you know, to where they need to be either. So just providing them an opportunity to experience different things and like get used to moving around and find something that they enjoy. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's a more, more uh, influential experience than anything else either. Have you heard about this? I think it's Buena Vista, California. Like in the sixties, they had this crazy, um, like boys Fayette program. Have you heard about this Mm -mm. thing? So they were like doing, like they would do, they were doing like Marine Corps style obstacle courses and they were doing like gymnastics and all that kind of stuff from, I think it was sixth grade through, through 12th grade. And they like every single one of the guys at the school was like low body fat, just like tall, tall, lean and handsome, you know, uh-huh. some really crazy stuff. And they were talking about like, they were showing videos where these guys are like, you know, those, I don't know what to call them, parallel bars. And you just like walk along the parallel bars Yeah, I know and every about. single member of the class can just like go across it. Right. Like and what age part did of the, they start? Like, what's that? What age did they start at? I think you said they started in sixth grade, hmm. and it was required curriculum from sixth grade through twelfth grade. And so it wasn't like one of those things where like the kids that wanted to do it signed up for it. Like it was all the boys in the school district did it, and just had these phenomenal results. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if I don't know if that's the answer. Yeah. But just like getting, I think though, there's a lot of there's a lot of places that don't do anything physical with kids. Yeah, and they need so to do what do you something. expect from them? Yeah, and then like on the flip side, we forget that, I mean, high school students too, but particular middle school kids, we forget that they're kids. Yeah, you know, because they're starting to take on some of those growing up responsibilities, and they're kind of having like they've got the maturity to be able to discuss some of this stuff. We forget that they're still just kids. Yeah, you know, like they should have responsibility, but they should also have time to just be kids too, and move around, and yeah, definitely be active. Yeah, like we we tell them to sit down and shut up just isn't helpful. Whether yeah. you're actually telling them that or just like hinting at it, <laughs> you know, implying that that's what they should be doing. Yeah. Like it's just not, not, they can't do it. They can't. It's not that even yeah, if they want to. most adults can't do that. Well, I can't. <laughs> I definitely can't. Yeah. 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 Good stuff, man. Outside of school. What do you do outside of school? Outside of school. And writing books and working out and. Man, that's I love I love to go to different restaurants. So I guess I'm kind of a foodie. Milwaukee has a lot of good places. Yeah. So I check out a bunch of different restaurants. Uh movies, read, got uh, different books. Um a lot of different stuff with 
coaching or philosophy or psychology. Yeah. I love to watch sports, primarily football and basketball. <laughs> and then, yeah, eating. Eating's a big one. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just, What's your diet some time like? to, to breathe. What's your diet look like? Yeah, I, like today I had oatmeal for breakfast. Lunch was... um. Lunch, I just had a smoothie just because I didn't like anything. Our lunches <laughs> are usually very good at school, but I didn't like anything. So all I've had today was oatmeal and a smoothie. But usually it's something for breakfast like oatmeal or some fruit. Yeah. And then um, whatever they have for lunch. And then dinner is, I don't know. Some days <laughs> I throw something together. Some days I go with the crock pot. Some days I'm going out to a restaurant. Some days I get like, I just need to make breakfast quick. Yeah. Make some eggs and some. Absolutely. So. Yeah, no, I'm a I'm a mostly meat guy. Mm-hmm. I eat a lot of meat, a lot of protein, a lot of protein, a lot of meat, a lot of protein, a lot of fat. Yeah, <laughs> not a whole lot of carbs, just cause like, I I don't know. It, it does it does make it harder sometimes to recover fast enough to work out again, but then it also kind of forces me to do some cardio. Like, all right, mm-hmm. I can't lift heavy today. I better actually go do some like move, yeah. <laughs> do some sort of natural movement. So it's good, but I uh, mean, I I eat a lot of meat. I don't think I could eat this way if I had a family, but since I don't, yeah. <laughs> lots of meat. Well, I just, like you can feel the difference, like in your in your body composition when you when you're eating a lot of beef in particular, but like mm-hmm. red meat. When you're eating a lot of it, you can feel like you physically feel different. You feel heavy? No, like feel good. Oh, you're like um, I wouldn't say lighter, but like you've just like it's 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 hard to describe. It's like a natural strength. Yeah, like you, like when you're taking creatine supplements and all that kind of stuff, you know, like you 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 hold in your water, like you, you know, you feel good, you get a good mm-hmm. pump. It's 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 a little bit different when it's coming from a natural source all the time, like when you're when you're getting that naturally all the time. Yeah, like it, like you can, I feel a difference. Even like even in like my, my ability to, like my for everything from stamina to just like I feel like a man. Mm-hmm. You know, like you can you can. It sounds weird, but you can feel how much testosterone you've got, right? <laughs> like you can totally feel it. Yeah. Um. You feel different, and so then when I like every once in a while, like when I just run out of money at the end of the month or whatever, and I can't can't eat the way I want to, and I start going back to eating like more. It's, it's not that I don't eat veggies or anything, but yeah. when I start eating more of that kind of stuff, more veggies and carbs and less of the meat. I like I feel my my energy starts to dip. Like I I am not as strong. Oh, wow. Legitimately, are not am not as strong. Okay. And I got some buddies that are like Olympic weightlifting type guys, and they always go, "Oh, you need the carbs." Like, no, you need the carbs <laughs> so that you can heal up fast enough so that you can go back and get on the weight again. Hey, I don't have that pressure. Mm-hmm. I can like if I if I'm not feeling like if I'm not feeling strong one day, I can push it off a day because yeah. I don't have a deadline to meet. And so, like, actually, I think that's one of the reasons I've gotten as much stronger as I have mm-hmm. quickly is that I give myself the time to rest. You know, like if, if you don't give yourself time to rest, you're just not going to get stronger. Yeah. So I heard the the concept of grief, grease in the groove. Um, and I really like that idea of like when you have a screen door that's stuck or something like mm-hmm. that, like you, you, you don't just put grease, you know, in, in the slot and let it be like, you take the thing, you run it back and forth and back and forth over and over again until it runs smoothly. Yeah. So the idea of all your natural movements, whether it's squatting or deadlifting or pressing or whatever it is. Grease in the groove and grease in the groove and grease in the groove. So that when you do put the weight on, your body already knows what to do and you're not yeah. like consciously thinking about all the different but that's something you have to maintain. Like in your brain, you don't have to sit there and say, keep your elbow down, push your chest up, squeeze your shoulder blades. Like if you're thinking about all that, yeah, you're gonna screw much. something up. Right. So then grease in that groove and, and giving yourself the opportunity to just, you know, get it right the first time. Mm-hmm. And that like that good technique makes you a hell of a lot stronger too. Yep. Yeah. 
That's yeah. something we try to use with our athletes a lot. Yeah. It's amazing how many, like, you got to get down on the squat. And mm. I can't squat. Like, just do mm-hmm. it with no weight. Start at home. Right. Like, yeah, there's no, I can't. Like, your, your knees bend. Yeah. You're just doing it wrong. So taking the time to get it right. And that's like that's a peer pressure thing, and that that's not just high school kids. That's anybody who shows up in the gym. Mm-hmm. Like, there's this pressure to throw a ton of weight on, and I like I'd be lying if I said I didn't feel <laughs> it. But like, when you walk into the gym, and like, like again, not that I'm a huge dude, but when I walk into the gym, people expect you to put some weight on, right? So when you when you're in the when you're in the weight room for an hour and you haven't lifted above your body weight yet, and the whole time you've been in the gym, yeah, you know, and people start like looking or whatever, and then you start throwing weights on, they're like, ah. But like it's in my head, and it's probably not even true. Like they're probably not even thinking that. Yeah. They're probably not even thinking that. But like it's it's like it weighs on my mind. Like man, I should probably <laughs> put some weight on soon because I'm I'm embarrassing myself. But the reality is, I can't like I can't get stronger if I don't do it right. Yeah. You know, it's just not worth it. Too much hurt. If you don't work out for a couple of days, like what is your like? Do you feel it? Like, do you start dogging a little bit? Like if you don't work out for no, a couple days? usually I can come back um, pretty fresh then. But I don't know. I probably only at the most it'll be a week, but that's probably intentionally there. Okay, yeah. And I usually come back with a little more pop because I'm super fresh then. Yeah, but yeah. yeah, I don't take too many days off. Three three days yeah. at most probably. Yeah, I'm the same. Like I don't. I try not to take days off at all. But when I do, like I try to be. Like, intentional about it too it's like if i know i'm gonna have to take a thursday off or something like that then i'll like put a little extra effort in on on wednesday yeah kill it on wednesday which sometimes kills friday then (laughs) because then you got then you have just enough time to get sore before you walk back in the weight room again Mm -hmm. yeah but i don't know i i always that that is something i struggle with is if i if i get out of my routine i start struggling like it takes me a while to get back in the routine yeah especially with the major lifts like if I if I get out of that routine, like I can't just throw weight on and squat if I haven't been squatting consistently. Yeah. It's tough. Yeah, I'm the same way with that. Yeah. Maybe that's just the way your body is. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I can almost dunk a basketball again. I'm really excited about oh, that. Oh, so you got some pop. You got yeah. that explosiveness back. <laughs> a little bit, a little bit. I'm knock kneed. So like keeping my like that's an intentional thing I have to do in the weight room. Mm-hmm. Is like working on keeping my like my groin and my inner thighs. And like that, the inner side, I can't remember what they're called, but the inner side of your quads, like keeping those loose and not letting them mm-hmm. tighten up, especially after I squat so that my knees don't, cause like when those ligaments tighten up, like your knees bend in, right? And bow-legged people are the opposite. Like those outer muscles get tight and it's, or the inner, yeah, the outer muscles get tight and squeeze mm-hmm. and that's why your knees bow out. So like being intentional and cognizant of that and, and saying like, you got to keep it, you got to keep it right. Like that's, that all plays into it. Like it's not as simple as simple as just showing up and lifting. Yeah, there's a lot that goes on, but like you can say that about anything. Yep. But that like that's that's I think that's why people get passionate about stuff. Like they find something that piques their interest and they're willing to kind of obsess about it a little bit. That's something I talk about with kids all the time too. Like whether it's whether it's weightlifting or football or basketball or music or whatever. If you really want to get get after it, you have to get a little unbalanced, right? Yeah, very like true. if you want really want to be good at something, you got to be a little unbalanced. Well, I think it fits with like we were talking about two sport athletes earlier before we hit play. Like, if like you were talking about two sport athletes, they're better teammates. Um, but it, you also have the ability to kind of compartmentalize and say like, this is what I'm doing now. Yep. This is what I need to get after. Like later, it's time to do homework, so that's what I get after. And then later in the year, it's going to be basketball season. I'm not worried about football during basketball season. Like mm-hmm. I got to get after basketball season, and that's a skill that car- that carries through for life. Definitely does. Yeah. 
Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Like, why do you want two sport athletes? Uh, the time management aspect, the, the ability to have different roles. Cause sometimes you might be the, you might be the man in basketball, but you might be a role player in football or just, you just learn certain things. Like football is the ultimate team sport. Like basketball is a sport where you can be really, really selfish. Cause people only look at the people that score the baskets. Mm-hmm. Uh, baseball can be a completely different sport because it's so individualized, but it's still a team sport. And you have a track, mm-hmm. which is kind of the, the same aspect, but you're constantly working on your athleticism and you're actually preparing for another sport all the time. So <laughs> right. it's just it's just great to have them be in more than one thing so it's not all their eggs in one basket. And it just gives them a better experience. Like you can have success in something else and you might be good at this. You might be opening up a door and a lot of times they want to have like, I want to get a scholarship, but you might just be opening up a door to have a different experience and build a different relationship with someone else which is something that no one can ever take away from you. So just that ability to understand, all right, be more than just this one sport because you're not going to be this one sport anyway. Well, and I think, I mean, I wouldn't say scholarships are necessarily like poison to a kid's mind, but like we need to understand that scholarships are like a, a, a little bonus at the end. Yeah. Like it's not the goal. The goal, like if you want to play college basketball, work your butt off to play college basketball. If you want to play football at the next level, Work your butt off to play football at the next level. Like if you're banking on a scholarship, you're pretty much guaranteed to be disappointed. Yeah. Like the the of of I don't remember what the number is, but the re, like thousands and thousands of people that play college sports, it's like three percent have a full ride scholarship. Yep. In the like of all the NCAA athletes, and then you start thinking about like NIAC and some of these other like conglomerations of schools that get together and put like there's there's so little chance that you're going to end up getting a full ride scholarship Mm -hmm. that like if if like it's not a intelligent goal unless you're zion williamson you know like it's just not unless you are like a super freak there's no there's no way you can bank on it and then it also can go away like that you know like you blow out your knee you know you sneeze wrong around the wrong assistant coach like you you tick the wrong guy off whatever it is like it can go away like that because like there's so much money tied up into you, yeah. Like it's essentially you get fired. Yeah, they have no idea how good D three sports is either. Oh yeah, for sure. And they don't understand that point you just brought up. Like this coach, if he's D two D one, he can't have you doing whatever you want to do because his family is dependent on this. This right. is how he eats. Yeah. So that's a whole different ball game when you all of a sudden are. Yep. You're almost owned in a way, and they don't. That's something they don't get. They just see the glamour yep. of whether or not you have a scholarship. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And like, and frankly, it's part of their identity, right? Yeah. Like, and so it even goes into the personal realm of like, how, what do you, what can you do for me in a good way? Like, what can you do for me? Are you going to be a, like, maybe you're not going to be a star athlete, but are you going to be a positive influence on our team? Like, are you going to make my job easier as a coach? Yeah. Or are you going to challenge me as like, are you going to be the kind of kid that shows up so prepared and shows up like so lit up every day to, to, <laughs> lit up in the right way <laughs> to do like so like intense like are you going to be that kind of kid who like draws more out of coaches and is like yeah like I, i'm gonna prepare better i'm gonna work harder because i see this kid like this kid deserves it like their coaches look for stuff like that and if you're not going to provide that it doesn't matter if you're a superstar like coaches at at, at lower levels aren't, aren't looking for that yeah you know like you don't, it's not necessarily being low maintenance. It's about it's about what can you add. Yep. Like the war rating in baseball, right? Like wins above replacement. How many more wins are we going to have because we have you? <laughs> you know, like what can you do for our team to help us win? Mm-hmm. 
And again, a life lesson that, that, that rolls everywhere. Like, te- like teaching is the same way. You don't want people on your staff that aren't going to give you wins. Yeah. You know, if they're just going to, like, if they're just going to fill a spot, that, that they're not helping. And especially if they're, if they're bringing losses in, like, that's really <laughs> not help. Like, it's a good way to get on people's bad side real fast. Yeah. So, yeah, that win above replacement idea is a big one. Is a big one. Like, you can't do everything perfectly. You're going to fail all the time. But can you be the kind of guy that when they replace you with somebody else, you know, they get less wins? I agree. Yeah. What about this idea of uh, so um, I heard somebody say it was they're talking about parenting, but I think it's it, it goes it fits in any again any category of life. But they were talking about the idea of working yourself out of a job. So like if you're a teacher, by the time your class is done with you, you should be so I'm a first and second grade teacher. So by the t- end of the school year, I should be out of a job. Like those second graders shouldn't if I keep teaching them second grade stuff, it's just obsolete. It shouldn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what a good second grade teacher does. So then as a coach, like if your quarterback still needs you to do everything for him like, and prepare him and do all that kind of stuff at the end of his high school career, you failed as a coach. Mm-hmm. Right? So working yourself out of a job. And it's obvious with parents, right? Like if they have to move back into your basement. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, what do you think about that? I think that's a good concept. And I think that if you can push – because I think it is that you want to take the training wheels off and you want to get them to a point where they can function on their own. I think it is a little harder because sometimes kids don't know that they don't know. <laughs> and just as a teacher or a coach, you're always going to know way more than them, even though they might not think that. So from the standpoint of cause you can you get them to that next level? Definitely. But when I look at it, it's like, well, in the in a way, you don't necessarily need me, but I still can help you, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. I yeah. still can be a mentor. I still can be a teacher. I still can help you develop and still can help you learn. Yeah. Well, and the ability to tactfully be able to demonstrate to kids that they have more to learn, like that's a gift. To be able to show like a, a young mind that they don't know it all and they do need you know, guidance without like crushing their spirit. Yeah. That's a, that's a fine line to walk. That's a gift. That's a gift. Yeah. For sure. All right. So we got two big questions I ask you every guest. First yep. one, if you could go back and talk to your 18-year-old self for like five minutes, what would you tell him? What I would tell myself is especially from like a, a sports standpoint is more so don't be afraid to fail and really push yourself to the point that you are going to fail. Push yourself to a certain limit. And I definitely probably would have worked on different things, just a little different. Like I would have worked more on, on shooting. I would have worked more on ball handling and doing this thing. So just kind of understanding what I should be working on and then understanding, don't be afraid of failure. And from the standpoint of you can do things and you can push it to a limit. And what you do is sometimes is you put a coach or whoever you're working with in a position where they say, all right, I got to let this person do that. Or I got to change. And that's something where you you just kind of learn about yourself. So that's probably be the biggest thing. Yeah, I like that. Like I can either let them do it or I got to change one of yeah. the two. Yeah, putting yourself back in the in the driver's seat. Yep, putting yourself back in the driver's seat. Good. All right, last question. And what does it mean to be a man, or what makes a Christian man? I think a, a Christian man is just understanding <laughs> that you can only be a man through the cross of Christ and understanding what God has done for you. Every man is created with something great inside of him. But at the same time, every man has flaws. 
and being humble and having humility to understand that the greatness and the great things that you can do doesn't come from you. It comes from God and allowing him to be your, your source of strength. And I think the big thing about being a man and especially a Christian man is the ability to use those those talents and those strengths that you have to stand up for God, despite the fact that you might be standing alone. Because I think in our society, there are so many different wrong ways you can go and there might be only one correct or right way. So being a man is about using what God has given you to, to lead and to stand up and to be willing to sometimes stand by yourself. And when you get to a certain level, you can have influence and and eventually people will see what you did was was right and more so giving God to glory. So really focusing on the will of God and leading in that way. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I would even I would even push that further and say, um, like to be able to build relationships, particularly with other men, where you don't ever have to stand alone, right? Yeah. Like if if I if we're all grounded in scripture and like if my if my brothers are just as intent on being men of God as I am, then in theory at least, right? Yeah. Uh we like I, I won't ever truly be standing alone because mm-hmm. I've got these other guys with me. Like they've got me, they they back me up too. Good. So like, how do you develop that in yourself then? Like, what are you it, doing to make it's that happen? Um, I will say it's a kind of a constant struggle and a battle, but it's more so trying to surround yourself with people who are like-minded in that regards. I think that the things that I try to watch and listen to, uh, play a huge part from the different podcasts from listening to this to, to listen to, a a podcast with Pastor Stein to the different things that I read to some days. All right, today can't be a music day when I'm going to work. I need to make sure that I'm listening and focusing on something else and the things that I watch and then the, the big things that I read from the Bible to to different books. Yeah. So do you, what, what does your Bible reading look like? So usually, so that's something that fluctuates a lot. Um, I have the Bible app. I usually check out a verse every day. There are sometimes I go through spurts where I like, all right, I'm going to memorize these passages. Sometimes I have spurts where I don't know, maybe a conversation that I have with a student or a friend or, or someone will spark me to to get into the word and to look up different things or I'm preparing for a devotion or preparing for a chapel. So it, it's really up and down <laughs> and it fluctuates a lot. It depends on just kind of what I'm hearing and what I'm seeing. I don't really have a set routine besides the the Bible passage of the day that I have on the Bible app. Yeah, so, yeah that makes sense. Do you have like a time of day that you did you do it? First thing when I wake up for the, the Bible up. app. But for the other things, it kind of just depends on if I got an interest, I'll probably put a note in my phone real quick. Or if I have the time right then and there to make, I'm able to make the time right then and there, I'll do it right then and there. Yeah, that's awesome. So you, um, you talk about like books and podcasts and stuff. And we talked about books a couple of different times, but like podcasts, like what do you, what do you like to listen to? I listen to this. I started checking this really? out. Yep. Good. That makes me happy. That makes me smile. Um, Lewis Howes. What is it called? Success is a, cho- no, that's no school of greatness. Okay. Yeah. Another one it. is, um, success is a choice. Alan Stein used to have a, a good podcast, but I don't think he's put out any new material because he's been writing books and on the Twitter <laughs> world. But I used to listen to that a lot. And then, um, I listen to, well, I don't think it's necessarily, I wouldn't call it a podcast in a way. St. Marcus has some type of app that I listen to. I listen to Pastor Stein's okay. sermons a lot. Yeah. yeah. He's, he's, he's awesome got, uh, he He's got a Christ for Disciples podcast that he does every morning. Mm-hmm. That's for, it's meant for like uh, parents and teachers, like people that inf- work with kids 
Um, and uh, like I, I listen to that every single oh, that's day. Cool. That's good to know. Yeah, like I like that legit is like I advertise for them for free because I like it so much. Like how can I pay you back? <laughs> like, yeah. we, we we gotta like I just love it. He does such a good job. He's conversational and mm-hmm. like brings good topics into. Yeah, for sure. That's that's every day when I get into my truck. That's the first thing that comes yeah. on is is the Christ for Disciples podcast. Um, but yeah, it's good stuff. I like the. Uh, um, I used to listen a lot to like Order of Man and the uh, Art of Manliness and those, uh, but I think I've gotten away from some of those because like it's a lot of it's surface level. Yeah. Like the Order of Man does a better job because it gets kind of into some of the spiritual realms. But is it is it supposed to be spiritual or what is it supposed to be well, based off of? I mean, yes, he, like it, it's generic enough that it won't offend anybody. He's also he's a he's a one of them's a Mormon, the other one's a Jehovah's Witness. So even if like if they did get super into like their faith, then I probably wouldn't listen to it anymore yeah. anyway, um, because they don't believe the same things that I believe or we mm-hmm. believe. Um, but they do touch on like in the uh, in the Order of Man podcast, he talks a lot about like um, the foundation of faith and the effect that it has on your life, and he's spot on. And like their morality is essentially the same as ours. Yeah. Um, and so like coming from a place of faith and saying this is what I believe and this is how I act because of it, um, they touch on that fairly often. Um, but they don't get into like they don't get into like what does it really mean to like the reality of you know as a, as a man of God like I've been created in God's image and I've lost that identity yeah right so trying to win that back is really the struggle we're locked in right uh, and like I love that John Eldridge talks about have you ever read Wild at Heart Yep. Yeah, that's a good one. But he talks about um, like the, the questions you have to answer. So, like women are always asking, um, "Am I enough?" And men are always asking, "Do I have what it takes?" Right. Mm-hmm. So, like if you look at the original sin, and you can make arguments about whether or yeah. not this is accurate. <laughs> but I really like the idea behind it. Is the uh, like he talks about um, like Adam showed up in the garden, and he was God's gardener, right? He had dominion over everything. It was his job to make sure Eve didn't mess it all up, right? Yep. And what's the one thing he didn't do? <laughs> like he did he wasn't there to even if he was there then he really failed Mm -hmm. um like his job was to protect eve from anything that might come her way and and tempt her and then eve you know like her she was created from adam to be adam's like helpmate right to to fulfill him to fill in his gaps right and then she like totally failed on that she wasn't enough you know for him Mm -hmm. in her sin at least so that's kind of the lie that's being told but i really like that idea of um like understanding that as a as as a like god created me in his image like a shared dna with god and so like there is no understanding who i am as a man there is no like manhood without jesus yep. like there just isn't like anything else is is wrong like it just isn't accurate because that is my definition like that is my it's my identity yeah is is the child of the heavenly father who's fallen um and so that that like it just bothers me <laughs> bothers me that they don't talk about it sometimes so yeah. I, I don't get into it and listen to it as much. Um but there's actually a, a group of uh podcasts that's been getting together on on Instagram and start like communicating with each other and we, like men doing Christian men's podcasts whether it's on mm-hmm. fatherhood or different ones. And uh, it wasn't like when it first started I thought oh another one of these. But they're like it's kind of a cool group yeah. of just men getting together. So I've been listening to some of those and those are there's some good podcasts out there that I didn't know about. There's, I think there's a lot of men's ministry that's aimed at like middle-aged guys who like messed it all up and they're in crisis and like trying to fix it all. Mm-hmm. There's not a lot of stuff for 
guys like us who are like, when we're not exactly starting out in life, (laughs) but we're also not old guys in crisis Mm -hmm. either, you know? So like meeting us in the middle and saying, Hey, you're a young man. Here's how you can do it right the first time. So you don't have the struggles later on. There's a whole lot of like, now that you've messed it all up, come to us and we'll help you fix it. And I, I think that's too late. I, well, it's not too late, but yeah. I think I think I, why should we wait until yeah, everybody messes it up? Mistakes and yeah, like same thing, and same reason we work with with young people the way we do. Like, why wait until they mess it all up and then come to ask us asking us for help? Why don't we just prepare them for the road ahead? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's a big one. What about books? You talk about reading. Um, the book that I'm reading right now is um, by Devin Franklin, "The Truth About Man." Yeah. Which kind of talks about the the dog that we have in us, the the lust that every man has, the lust for more, the lust for sex, the lust for power. So that's a a good read for sure. He's awesome. I haven't read that one, but I did read uh, the weight. You mm-hmm. read that one? I have not read that. That one, one's though. a good one too. That was a good one too. Like it's all about celibacy. Yeah. And I think the first half of the book, like they barely even talk about sex in the first half of the book. It's all about delayed gratification, which is something I struggle with. Yeah. <laughs> like Instant if there's a cupcake sitting in front of me, I'm eating yeah. a cupcake, right? Um, but, uh, yeah, just like, and tying that in with just life in general, like they opened my eyes to, like, it's not just lust and like, and they also talked in there about the difference between abstinence and celibacy. Yeah. Like abstinence is just like deciding not to have sex or just not having sex, even if you didn't decide not to. Mm -hmm. Um, and then celibacy is like not having sex for like a moral, like for a purpose. Yeah. Like because I love my heavenly father and because I want to have this healthy sex life later on, I'm going to abstain from it. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm going to choose not to do it. But the, my, my favorite part of that was they also talked about like the reality is celibacy doesn't really count. Like it's not really, you're not really doing anything. If you're one of those people that has never had an opportunity to sin, <laughs> like if you've never been in a position where it was actually an option yeah. <laughs> to have premarital sex, then are you really being celibate or are yeah. you just sitting at home watching TV? <laughs> well, you could go get prostitutes or something. So I guess. Yeah, counts. I suppose. I suppose. But like, you know, like it's, it's, a, it's really easy for Christians, especially Christian guys, to just like sit at home and be like, well, I haven't found her yet, but I've maintained my purity. Well, like if you never go on a date, you also yeah. don't get credit for not doing <laughs> things you shouldn't do on a date, you know? Yeah. You don't get credit for not doing something if you never tried. You know what I mean? Or yeah. that came out wrong, yeah. but you know what I mean. <laughs> Got to that point. Yeah. Yeah, like if you've never actually had a significant relationship or you've never actually let somebody into the point where you were you know, starting to get emotionally intimate and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. if you've never actually gotten there, then you can't brag about not going further. I you get know? you. I get what you're saying. Like if you never had to slam on the brakes, you can't brag about <laughs> your driving ability. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I'm preaching the wrong message here, but... <laughs> But you know, like it's it's not it's not about pushing the boundary and seeing how far you can make it without sinning. Um, but it's also not about it's also not about just like locking yourself off from the world and never being involved in the world and never actually meeting other people and never interacting with anybody mm-hmm. that doesn't believe exactly the same thing you do. It's about being able to walk in the world without becoming a part of the world. Gotcha. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> what else are you reading? That's the I, I try to read one book at a time. I can't do that. Right. But before that, I, I read um, Men Are Like Waffles and Women Are Like Spaghetti, something of the title like that. Just talk about the different way that we communicate and the different way that we think. And I just, like some of the stuff in there, I was like, yep, that's definitely talking about me. And then some of the stuff was like, oh, okay. That's why <laughs> women do some of these things or how they intertwine all of this. Like, how do we get from here to here? Because it's like spaghetti and all the noodles touch and then this happened to be this and you thought that was I'm like, okay, I get it. Help, yeah. Help, 
we understand, especially with communication. Yeah. Well, we think it's a messy world, but it's not, they don't like, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it might seem like a mess to us, but it doesn't, it isn't necessarily a mess on their end. Yeah. Like it makes sense to them. It doesn't make much sense. <laughs> it doesn't make much mm-hmm. sense to me, but yeah, that's an important thing too. How much, like how much study have you done on this? That came out wrong too, but how, like how much have you done a lot of like reading and studying on, on the opposite sex? I'm doing more. I would say I've done a, a good share. I don't know what's a, a good share, but I've definitely read. <laughs> well, most people, I think, do zero. So yeah. I think anything more than that's a decent. <laughs> read different books on it, and this is an interesting it is interesting. dynamic to try well, to figure it, out. Like you'd play, like, forget about romantic relationships for a second. Like it, like just daily life goes easier when you can kind of step back and say, Either sometimes it's just understanding that you don't understand. Yeah, it's just stepping back and saying, "I I don't get what's going on here." Like we just gotta like you kind of gives you a little ability to say, "We're gonna we're gonna get we're gonna just get past this and move on," <laughs> instead of uh, like because we just get like when people don't think the way we think, we get frustrated. That's very true. Yeah, yeah. something I fall my fall um find myself wondering like, how do you not get this? And but then I'm like. They're thinking the exact same thing as me. Why do I not get it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then when you start like actually like dating people, like there's times where you just go like, "What is going on?" <laughs> like, so like it's the classic like, "What did I screw up?" But then there's also times where it's like, "I don't know what I did right." Like I don't know, I don't know, like I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And so being able to break that down a little bit, listen to people that are smarter than us. Yep. Like that's that that's really what books are. It's just like the collective knowledge of thousands of men over thousands of years. See the mistakes they made. Try not to make all of them. Yeah, absolutely. Like I I like the rule, and it gets mentioned on here all the time because it is a good rule of like the five people you spend the most time with. There's nothing wrong with spending a whole lot of time with like Thoreau, yeah. <laughs> right? Like you, that can be one of the people you spend the most time with. It shouldn't be the only person you spend mm-hmm. any time with. But like getting into his brain and reading reading some of that. Um, I love C.S. Lewis. Like mm-hmm. I love Stephen Mansfield. Like I, it would be, I can honestly say they've had a tremendous effect on who I am. Yeah. And like what I'm becoming. And they're men I've never met and probably never will meet. Yep. What did you read from C.S. Lewis? C.S. Lewis. Oh man, my favorite one that I read. It, so it's one of those books that I I never have a copy of it on my shelf because I keep giving it away. But the Abolition of Man. Okay. And it. Uh, so he he breaks down a. Have you ever read that one? Mm-mm. So he breaks down a. Like uh, it's a, I think it's an English textbook or a reading textbook in the in the elementary grades, and they they start talking about uh, like what is it's it starts out as a language lesson, you know, where they're talking about um, whether or not you know what value is what and, and all that kind of thing, um, but he 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 really digs into like how subtle little things can change the way people think, and particularly the way young men think about mm-hmm. themselves. So if you say, like, if you, if you say that, uh, like, if you're looking at a waterfall and you look at it and you say, it's beautiful, if you claim that that's a feeling, like, it's not an absolute, it's not actually beautiful, it's just you assigning some, you know, subjective value to it, yeah. then there really is no value in anything, anywhere. Like, if there is no absolute, like, if that's all just feeling, then, like, saying, hey, you're a, you're a good man, then there's that's all opinion too. And then saying that's an evil man, that's also opinion. And so then like you get into this weird messy so that you ha- there has to be absolutes and those absolutes have to come from somewhere. Yeah. Right? And so that gets into the, the spiritual realm then of saying there is a heavenly father, there is a God, and he does order all things, and we do know absolutes of what is right and what is wrong. Um and so when we 
it, it might be, it seems innocent. Like when you've got a seven-year-old sitting in front of you and you say, nope, it's not really beautiful. We just feel that it's beautiful. You're, you're, you're actually preaching a much larger and much more dangerous message than you realize. Mm. And so the idea of like, it's similar to the, the, you know, everybody told their kids, everybody tells their kids, if you don't have anything to say, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Well, then we're training our kids to be passive, right? Like we're training them to be nice all the time. And nice isn't a biblical concept. Nice isn't something that we're supposed to be. We're supposed to be kind and gentle and self-controlled and patient and faithful. But nice is not one of the, like nice is a passive now, a passive verb. Like if you're being nice, it's totally passive. Whereas being kind, sometimes you can't be nice and kind at the same time. Sometimes the kind thing to do is tell tell somebody they got something between their teeth. Whereas (laughs) the nice thing to do is just ignore it, right? Yeah, and so understanding the difference and understanding whether it's explicit or not, understanding what we're teaching our kids is huge. Um, What's the name of it? The abolition of man. Okay, I have to yeah. put that on my list. Yeah, it's a good one. But then also like the screw tape letters, um, and like because he, I don't know, like the God gave that man a gift. Like that's why I like him so much. It's like he thinks about things. It logically makes sense to me when I read it, but I would have never thought about it that way. So like there's a line in the screw tape letters that like gets quoted all the time, but it's just especially in context of the book, it's just unbelievable where it's a demon talking to like he's mentoring another demon and he says, you know, from from the command, so from Satan, the our policy for now is to conceal ourselves. So the idea of like the best way to tempt somebody is to make them think they're not being tempted, right? Like if they don't even know we're here, then we can't be dangerous. Like that's, that's the Christian life right there. Like that's the struggle is, am I really being tempted or not? Like if I don't even know if I'm being tempted or I like, that's the easiest way to fall is when you don't even know the temptation is there. So like, I agree with that, that kind of stuff that C.S. Lewis writes about and just mind blowing. Well, and then like the Chronicles of Narnia, even I'm nerding out a little bit, but like the, the, the scene where Lucy meets Aslan for the first time. You know, like they, they haven't met him, but they've heard all about him. Mm-hmm. And so Aslan comes walking into camp and she sees this wild lion and he's wild, right? He's not a tame lion. And uh, Lucy asks Mr. Beaver, like, is he, is he good? And he says, oh, he's good. He's dangerous, <laughs> but he's good. And that idea of like, that's the way we ought to be. Um, like you can be good without being, you know, pale and plastic and meh. You know, there's a lot of people in the world that are just trying to get by it being nice yeah um but there's no danger to them at all like um i think we think of danger as a negative thing but like the classic who would you rather walk down an alley with like he could be big and scary but if he can't handle himself in a fight like he's never been punched <laughs> in the face you don't want to walk like that's not the guy you're gonna pick to walk down the alley with yeah. um and so the reality of danger being a good thing you know like if, if somebody comes bursting into your house in the middle of the night you're looking for a nice guy or you're looking for somebody who's dangerous but good. Yep, that's real life. That's real life. And so understanding that and then chasing after that instead of chasing after this plastic, you know, bland, vanilla, you know, nice Christian guy that the our church likes to paint. Like that's why men don't want to go to church because they don't want to be a pussy. <laughs> you know? Like if that's what the message of the church is, then, you know, like yeah. we feminize men. And then we don't, then like when crisis happens, we go, where are all the men? It doesn't work that way. You can't. Double standard. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. You don't want men to be men until you need men. That's real. 
Like same thing. Like when you think about a dog. You know, you keep a dog, and everybody has like you have a big German Shepherd in your yard, and everybody goes like, "Isn't that dog dangerous?" And you go, "Darn right he is." When I need him to be, like, he's not dangerous to my kids. He's gonna be dangerous if you try and break into the house. Mm-hmm. That's exactly the way. That's the way God designed men, and so understanding that and uh, playing into that. Thoughts on that? What do you think about that? Am I right or am I crazy? Yeah, I think I think so, especially from the standpoint of. Like, what does it mean to be a man? And that that is trying to figure out how to channel that some of that aggression or some of that. Because, I mean, I guess there are a number of different things that could go either way. That could be too much or it could mm. be just enough. So mm-hmm. figuring that out, because definitely at times I'll be like, well, you should have been more aggressive in this way. Or why were you passive in that? And I think that's that's the the trick or the the fine line of figuring out, all right, when is that time to step up? When is that time to, to show that danger that you're talking about and figure that out for sure. But I think that is something that every man is kind of always battling or figuring out like, all right, is this the time or man, I lost it a little too much. Oh yeah. Well, like in the kids we work with, especially coaching, like you put your, we put like intentionally, that's part of coaching is putting your kids in in environments where they're going to fail. So that they can, you know, fail forward, right? Yep. Um, so, like, if your drills, if no kid ever fails in your drill, then it's not a good drill. Like, it has to push kids beyond their limits. Yeah. Not every drill, but, like, they're not going to get better without challenging them. And so when you put the pressure on a kid like that over and over and over again, like, either they're going to fail and just give up, right? Like, if they implode. Or they fail and get angry, and then they explode, right? Mm-hmm. Or then you have the rare kid who, on his own, naturally, it's probably not on his own naturally. It's probably something he learned from his parents or somebody else around him, who like grits his teeth, puts his head down, goes and gets it right, right? Yep. Find and, a way, right? Find a way. And so, like understanding that, and, and like I think there's a lot of our culture in general, like frowns upon. Like, it depends on the, the where you are too. Mm-hmm. Um, because like different different like facets of culture and different you know socioeconomic places and cultures and everything within our you know American culture it changes too but like there's a lot of places where you see that aggression and they just go like that's what's wrong with with boys is the aggression right like no that's that's something that's great about boys but when it's out of control and unharnessed mm-hmm. and they don't like they don't know how to control it and everybody around them's telling you it's bad like that's terrifying to a yep. kid. Like this is part of me. This is who I am. And I like, it's not about getting it under control. Well, it should be about getting it under control and channeling it. But when everybody else is telling you it should go away and it shouldn't exist, yep. it's not, it's not a good thing. It's not part of you. Like that's a problem that needs to be solved. Yeah. That's definitely one of those things where that can be a different, a different strength that God has given someone. And mm-hmm. figuring out, all right, how do I use this to glorify God? How do I use this to fulfill the purpose that God has given me? Because like you said, that's kind of like that intensity. Some people are drawn toward it, and the only way they're going to move is from that intensity. And then at the same time, sometimes it's that, all right, what am I going to do to, like you said, channel it or to make it that it's usable and actually helps and not hurts myself? Yeah. And then the like the... Uh the sense of self to be able to realize that too, and especially as a younger person, to be able to look in the mirror and say, all right, even if you can't put your finger on exactly what it is, but to say like, all right, I know I shut down when things get hard. So like when you're put in positions like that, to be able to mentally say like, okay, 
I'm not going to shut down. I'm going to fight through this and we're going to make it. We're, we're going to create a new reality. Some of what we were talking about before, like find a way, right? Mm-hmm. Like um, having, having the, the sense of self to be able to say, yeah, I get angry when this happens and not necessarily avoiding that situation, but um, like coaching yourself through and getting other people to coach you through those spots so that you, like you come out on the other side equipped to go do it again. Yeah. You know, like when we just like when we just avoid, like that's Lavar Ball syndrome, right? <laughs> like you don't prepare your kids for the road; you prepare the road for your kid. Yeah, like it, you're not doing them any good. You're not doing them any good at all, because sooner or later, either you're not going to be there, or it's going to be something you can't wrangle. It's something you can't wrestle for them, and they they're gonna have to deal with it, and they're gonna be in a crisis because yeah. of it. It wouldn't have to be a crisis if they knew how to deal. So. Yeah, LeBron Ball. That guy, I don't like. Ah, that guy. What do you think of that guy? A lot. I I thought at times he was genius because I was like, he cannot be serious though. I think he is smarter than most people would think because, as you see, he's kind of because he's successful at it. You know, like there's so many people that do stuff like that and don't get where he got. Yeah, like there was strategy to that. Like, you can't deny that. Definitely was strategy. Like, he wasn't as bad as he tried to portray all the times. So, I mean, can't knock him too much from the standpoint of him trying to push a brand and make a different movement and have them take a different path. It's just, I mean, to make it to the NBA is awesome. He's not probably as good as he would have thought, but <laughs> he's probably made enough money now where the family's going to be okay. And then yeah. they got LaMelo Ball coming up who will probably get drafted in the first round this year. So, yeah. or in the ne- next year. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean that'll be, and that's like that's another one of those, like, you you all that all that talk about all three brothers, like he's just he's not gonna make it, you know? Yeah. Like he, you can, I'm sure he's a <laughs> valuable part of your family, but he's he's not gonna make it as an NBA ball player. Yeah. So like all that comes kind of crashing down too. So the the only thing I wouldn't I don't like about him from the standpoint is not even that what he did was genius. It's just that it gives a platform or it makes parents think that they should do that and they don't understand that their kid is not six six and can is a, a great athlete so they look at him and say he did it so i'm gonna follow this this blueprint when yeah. really that blueprint is that's a rare rare blueprint yeah. that anyone should follow because a lot of times this is gonna hurt your kid way more than it helps them for sure yeah well what's the middle kid's name i can't remember the middle kid's name is it leangelo yeah something like that i think it's leangelo like yeah you're right like yeah it's crazy Crazy. Two out of three is great, though. Two out of three in the NBA. Yeah, that's phenomenal. It's better than better than I'm gonna do. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Well, I say like it's just. Charles Barkley was talking about that too. Like this, the shoe brand was destined to fail. So I think, yeah, you're right. But you think about how much money they made in the meantime. Like the fact that they're getting like like they have members of their you know friends and family that are taken off with two million dollars. And they like didn't notice right away. Think about how much money must be bouncing around. Yeah, you know, I like saw a couple it kids was successful. The, the whole point was to get famous and make money. Yeah, like twenty years from now, they're gonna do in a thirty for thirty, and then they make all that money again, right? <laughs> like they're they're not going away because now they've created a stir. They've created mm-hmm. something, and now like they have platforms going anywhere, and they can go anywhere they want with this. Yeah, like they have. They've already got TV shows. Like they're doing reality TV. Like he think about how often he shows up to commentate on stuff that isn't related to the Ball family now. Like when some kid shows up, like when Stefan Marbury was talking about bringing back the Starburys and stuff like that, who'd they go talk to? LeVar Ball. (laughs) 
right? Like he's there now. And so he's kind of been like they've, they've, he's achieved what he wanted. Yeah. Like now it's a lot easier to make a lot of dough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty can't crazy. Be mad at that. <laughs> Not too mad. Yeah. You can, you can roll your eyes, but you can't be mad yeah. about it. Yeah. That's uh, part of the deal. Part of the deal. We get the freedom to live how we want to live. He gets the freedom to live how yep. he wants to live too. Yep. Yeah. All right, man. So uh, what's your book here? How do we get a hold of your book? My book is on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. Amazon and Barnes and Noble both have an electronic copy, but if you want the hard copy, that's on Amazon. So you just click on go on Amazon.com, type in hashtag Champ Talk. You could even type in Champ Talk and it'll pop up all one word. Alright. Do you have like a did you get like signed on with a publisher or something? Or? I did not. I self published. All right. Mm-hmm. All right. Is that like something that's expensive or is that pretty easy to do? No, it only I mean, it doesn't cost to, to sell any of the books. It's just that they'll take a percentage off and pretty much roll with it. Cause oh, like Barnes & Noble does? Yep, Barnes yeah. & Noble and Amazon. All right. So do they have rights to it at all, or you own all the rights? I know I definitely do for the electronic copy, because that's where it gets a little weird, because you got ISBN <laughs> numbers. Okay, yeah. So Amazon gives you an ISBN number for the hard copy, but I, already had, I bought an ISBN number for the electric copy or right. e-file. Right. Why well, would you would you say you uh, you grew through this experience? I think you probably said you did, right? Yeah, definitely. How so? Uh, patience, just from the standpoint of all right. I said I was going to do it, and I did it. So that's just, and then you you also become more aware of your thoughts and some of the things that you're thinking. I mean, your thoughts and feelings change all the time, but this is something where you can be like, all right, for the most part. Most of the things that I wrote down, I still believe, or is still is still who I am at the core. So it just kind of helps you know yourself better as a person, know what you think, know what you feel, where you're getting your source of information from. Is there anything in there that maybe you don't want to maybe you don't want to ex- explore? This, but is there anything there that you're like, man, I could have, like, yeah, that's not. <laughs> well, <laughs> the only one of the things I thought about, I, I can still go back and change some things too if I want. But one of the things I thought about was just from the standpoint, I, t- I have a a selection that talks about if you want to make it and, and play college or play a college sport or college basketball, college football, the amount of time you need to put in. I think I gave a number like you need to make this many shots and it's probably like you need to make like five to 600 shots. I think I'll probably put like two, 300, but yeah. I might up that up in that number probably was the only thing I thought about. Uh-huh. Well, that's, that's pretty, pretty good then. Yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good then. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Are there any other projects coming along with this? Um, no, every once in a while I'll give like a little talk or someone will ask me to come speak about the book or break down some of the things that, that I shared in there and kind of touch upon. All right. So what's next? I don't know. Don't know. Looking I've for... already thought about writing another book. All right. What would that would be about? More so coaching and the different myths and joys and almost like kind of a little bit of a comedy, but kind of a little bit of, of realization of who I am and who the average coach is and who the average athlete is. Yeah. Cause a lot of times we think we're a lot better than what we are. And then I hear kids all the time talk about, man, if the coach let me play my game, I would be a lot better. And it's just like, you're not that good. Yeah. And that's something I realized about myself when I got to coach, like I just wasn't that good. Like I, I can try to blame the coaches and say, man, my coach would let me play my game. I would have did this, but, but why would he, we want to, we want a conference championship. Like it was, it was good enough and, 
kind of just hammering that point that, you know, being a great middle school player or being a good high school player, that's okay. That's enough. You don't necessarily have to be a, a great college player or make it to the pros to have a great career. You're, you're having what most people can't even say they had. Right. Yeah. Um, well, we forget that we forget that averages are the mass of people. Yeah. <laughs> like most people are average. That's the definition of average. Yeah. Yeah. I would say I was the same way with leadership. Like I thought, like I was the captain of the football team in high school. I walked around thinking I was a big deal, you know. And then like coming out of that and going to college and coming out of that even and just like looking back and going like, man, yeah, I wasn't that valuable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it wasn't that valuable. I could have done it a lot better. Yep. Yeah. Definitely. That's the beauty of growing though. Yeah, well, it makes me a better like I like to think it makes me a better influencer, if that's the right word. Yeah. But like it makes me it it I have more insight to give now. Like I when I interact with kids who start like have a little bit too big of a head and they, they think there's something a little bit more special than they are. Mm-hmm. I don't necessarily need to sit them down and say, well, I once thought I was special too. Because <laughs> they're not going to listen to that. They're going to be smacking their lips and rolling their eyes. But like to like poke them and prod them a little bit and be like, is this really? Like, so like, you say you're a leader. Like, is that yeah. really what a leader does? Like, are you really doing all you could? Because that's what a leader is, is doing all they can, right? So like, is this really, mm-hmm. really maxing this thing out? And most people aren't. Like and I realistically, like I, there are very few things that I'm maxing out. I would love to, but like it's, I, I'm, I'm, I'm working on it, but I'm not there yet, yeah. you know. And maybe I probably never will be. Yeah, giving a hundred percent is a lot. Is hard. Yeah, it's, it's very hard it's, to it's give an actual hundred percent. Yeah, it's incredibly difficult. There's very, very few people who can do it, but the people that can, for the most part, are wildly successful. Yep. Or misguided. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> One of the two. One Definitely. of the two. All right, man. Any last thoughts? Oh, I appreciate being on here and it's been a good time. Yeah. Some learning and some, some insight and it's been a good time. Sweet. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Oh, if people want to get a hold of you, how can they get a hold of you? Get a hold of me, how so? Like if they if they like what they're hearing and they like they or they read your book and they wanna just like reach out to you. Oh is there a way to do that? Yeah, you can hit me up on Twitter or Instagram, Champion Life Twenty Three. Awesome. What's the twenty is that your number? No, I just did that after Michael Jordan. <laughs> Oh, he's Classic. ultimate winner, so there you go. So I'll copy that. There you go. I like that. I like that. Yeah. Sweet. Champion Life 23. You got it. Awesome. Thanks for being on, man. Thank you. Love Thanks it. for having me. Thank you for listening to the Gird Up Podcast. If you like what you're hearing on our podcast, make sure you're sharing it with friends and family, men in your life who you think need to hear our message. You can find us on social media, on Facebook under the Gird Up Podcast, and there's a Gird Up community as well there where you can interact with other men on the journey toward Christian manhood. You can find us on Instagram as girdup underscore like underscore a underscore man. If you'd like to help us bring our message to more men just like you all around the world, you can hit up our Patreon account. Type in www.patreon.com forward slash girdup. And finally, please leave a five-star rating or review on whatever platform you use to listen to our podcast, whether it's iTunes or Spotify. What that does is it helps us get more attention in the podcast world and bring more men to our message. Thank you again for listening to our podcast. Thank you for all the ways you support us and help spread the word. Until next time, go gird up and be the man that God created you to be.